691 in the church Bibles, page 691. Got a list of things to pray about today. Um, Brittany and Adam have been going through the COVID routine. I think Brittany's got it right now. And Adam just got over it, so uh, keep them in your prayers. 
Uh, Joe, you're going to have to help me. I think this might be a nephew. Wesley, the little baby that has RSV. Is that a nephew of yours? Okay. On Susan's side? Okay. Uh, little Wesley is how old is he? Six weeks old with RSV. Oh, wow. Anyway, that little baby boy's got uh, RSV and been pretty sick. So uh, we'll keep uh, baby Wesley in our prayers. Um, August Haynes, the Haynes, Daniel and Amanda's little baby, is up to two pounds but breathing on his own now. So bless the Lord for that. And Amanda herself is still having some blood pressure and kidney function issues. So we'll just pray that God continue to heal her uh, in those situations. And, uh, and then our little Ava McKenzie Beam, Ryan and Brooks' little girl, um, she is doing pretty, I mean, she's doing good. Still having a little breathing and oxygen issues, still on the CPAP, and her stomach is starting to wake up. Uh, sometimes the premiums have a little problem with the stomach waking up, so that's beginning to function. And so she's, every day, a little stronger, so we'll bless the Lord for that. And Brooke is healing. Uh, she had quite a serious surgery, so, but uh, she's getting better a little bit every day. And Kathy is a real busy lady right now. <laughs> every time I talk to her, she's... Uh, I think she's sleeping pretty well when the kids don't wake up too early because uh, she's pretty busy. Uh, but she's loving it, having fun. And, of course, we always want to remember uh, the conflict around the nation of Israel, um, which will probably exist at some point until the Lord comes back, um, be my guess. But anyway, we're going to be reading out of uh, <clears throat> Psalm 104. Verses 1 through 5, page 691. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who cover yourself with light as with a garment. Who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. Who makes the clouds his chariot. Who walks on the wings of the wind. Who makes his angels spirits. His ministers a fire, flame of fire. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for the privilege of being here today in your house. And Lord, this long list, in each situation, Lord, you know the needs. Uh, you know, Father, um, the healing that, Lord, you can only provide. And so we do lift each one of these up to you today. I pray, God, that you would continue to lift your name up in each situation, that these, uh, each situation would see, Lord, your hand, and that your name would be glorified uh, by the way you heal and the wonders that you do in each situation. Our scripture this morning reminds us of who you are <clears throat> and that the creation uh, reminds us of how great and mighty and majestic you are and how none of it would change forever outside of your command we bless you we thank you for the day lord i just pray god that you would protect the nation of israel give them wisdom and lord you would uh, give the leaders of our country wisdom and how what our role is to be in that situation god we know even if they're not seeking you lord you guide our leaders and so i pray god you would give them the direction and the wisdom that uh, they need we do thank you for this day lord jesus we thank you uh, for the for the uh, praises on our list and uh, we we lord that you pray that you would work 
in a mighty way in the request we have for those that are not feeling well or under the weather or recovering. Lord, we bless you. Thank you for these small little lives. We forget, Lord, what a miracle that is to see a new life come into the world created by you. And we stand amazed each time. We bless you, Jesus. And Lord, we just beg and plead that your spirit would reign and rule in our presence today. And above all, that your name would be lifted high. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.
sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope, no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains And my orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace, so She's over me You have made me new Now life begins with you It's your endless love Pouring down on us You have made us new from my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully bore he canceled my debt and he called me Rejoiced as though heaven had lost But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hell That's when death was arrested and my life began Oh, so free washes
Sacrifice. It's sad. 
Well, I've got tape up here for our demonstration. I've got it all going everywhere, so Lord help the tape. <laughs> and, uh, okay, what powerful songs and a great place that will lead us into our message today and, and the truth that Paul is bringing. We're in chapter 9, continuing in chapter 9 on page 1302. We've been here a little bit. But there's a lot to understand in chapter 9, and hopefully we'll uh, conclude today, chapter 9, be ready for chapter 10 next week. So um, as I began to study this week, I felt like the Lord led me to a couple of things to remember as we open up our teaching today. And he said, first of all, you have to remember what's going on all the way back in Romans 1. And in Romans 1, Paul was writing this letter to the church at Rome because the Romans had earlier had to leave. They had been forced out of Rome. The Christians, the Jews, and the Christians were left. I'm sorry. The, the Jewish people were forced out of Rome, not the Romans. The Jewish people were forced out of Rome, and they um, left in charge Gentile Christians that were leading the church. Then, then the Jewish people came back to Rome, and there was a lot of controversy of who should be leading the church. And so Paul is writing all of Romans to help to set out guidelines for the church then and the church today. And his main theme is how God redeemed his people, how he made mankind righteous in the eyes of God. And so he's been explaining and working and, and drawing us in deeper and deeper each week. And if you actually go back and begin to look at each one of the chapters, you see how Paul starts out saying the just shall live by faith. Those that are made righteous must live out their faith. <clears throat> And then he continues on and, and draws us into deeper and deeper understandings. But I want to turn to uh, page 1296. <clears throat> because as I was reading and, and studying, God came to this, uh, brought me back to this verse in chapter 3, verse 26. So Romans 3, verse 26. And he said, you know, Deb, this is really a fundamental understanding for understanding what Paul is teaching us in Romans. So starting in verse, um, let's see, I'm going to do Romans 3.23, I'm sorry. <clears throat> for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption of that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. 
to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then it says being justified freely, being made right in right standing with God freely by his grace, a gift through the redemption of Jesus Christ, through the plan of how he purchased and paid the ransom for each one of us that surrenders to God's plan. So if we continue to turn now to chapter 9, Paul is still helping us understand these places in chapter 9. Last week, we talked through some places where I think God helped us to look at some of the ways that Paul is saying the same things that we just read about, but in different ways. And so we talked about that before the foundation of the earth, God knew how things were going to unfold. Whoops, I hope I can make these stay. And um, they're from last week, but I want to kind of review a little bit. So before the foundation of the earth, God knew how things were going to unfold, and he prepared a plan. So mankind was created, but mankind fell into sin. And as we just read in Romans, all of mankind is in sin. Born in sin, walk in sin, everyone has sinned. But, and God refers to that throughout Romans as being in your flesh, walking in what you want to do instead of God's purpose and plan for your life. But before you were born, before the foundation of the earth, God created a way, a plan, whereby that we could be saved from our sinful nature. Because of his holiness, we cannot continue in our sinful nature and be deceived to believe that we are walking with him. So God created a way, and in that place, he helped us to understand in Romans 8 that he gives us a choice, that we can no longer be under the authority of sin and our flesh, but we can make a choice. And through the blood of Jesus, through God's plan, to receive his plan, and God would allow us to receive his spirit. He would give us his spirit that would live in us, that we would no longer live according to our flesh, but we would live according to his spirit, his ways, his plan, his truths. Paul talks about this 
in chapter 9, as we saw, and he refers to the people who continue in their flesh to be dishonorable. They're considered to be dishonorable, Paul says, to God's ways and his plan. And when we saw this place of, of the lump, we saw of clay, we saw that God was making some vessels dishonorable and some honorable. If you choose to walk in his ways, he will make you into a vessel that is honorable. But if you continue in your own ways and in your own flesh, just as Pharaoh did, God continues to try to bring you to an understanding where you will surrender your ways to walk in his ways, to be honorable. But at some point in time, he turns you over to the desires of your heart to the hardness of your heart. He allows you to become dishonorable and he strengthens you in what you desire. It's not God's heart that you would be dishonorable, but he does allow us to choose. Paul goes on to talk about these vessels, that they become vessels of his wrath. He talked about the marred clay, the clay that was so corrupt that it no longer was useful to the potter and had to be thrown out. But that's not the heart of God. God wants to remake us from the flesh that we're in to be new creations that we might be honorable, vessels of honor, and vessels of mercy. This place of understanding the vessels of mercy is to understand that we are vessels of his grace. It's the same understanding, mercy and grace. And grace is a gift. As we were just reading in Romans 3, it is the gift, the grace that God, out of his mercy, brings us out of vessels of wrath, vessels of our own flesh, if we choose to surrender into vessels receiving his mercy. All of these places reflect the holiness of God in that they reflect his justice and his judgment. That his holiness demands if we will not surrender to his ways. But if we surrender, then God's love and grace and mercy is a reflection of his holiness poured out on those that would surrender to his ways. 
Paul continues on with some of these understandings today. And I have so many places that I want us to look at, but where our main message starts is in chapter 9, and we're going to skip back to verse 23 and actually read there to help us to understand the rest of chapter 9. So starting in 23, it says, And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. So Paul is talking about this, these riches, these riches of his glory, this place of his salvation this place of his love and his mercy and his grace that he has prepared for those who are vessels of mercy, those who have surrendered to his calling, to his ways. And it says, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. So those that were in this in this place, the, the vessels of mercy, God has prepared for them, knowing who they're going to be. He is all-sovereign and all-knowing. He knows exactly who's going to choose to remain in their flesh or who is going to surrender to the call of Jesus to align with his ways and his wills vessels of mercy of who he knows they were prepared beforehand he knows who they are in fact it even says right there it says which he had prepared beforehand for glory really you could replace that word with whom whom he had prepared beforehand with glory but sometimes this gets misunderstood because God is not as we saw in the many um, examples that he gave us previously of Pharaoh and Moses, of Esau and Jacob. It is not his heart for those to choose their own way, but he knows who they are and he's prepared for them these riches in glory. Verse 24 continues in this understanding. He says, Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So Paul is enlarging our understanding and their understanding more and more to understand what it means to be made righteous, to be saved. And he's saying that in this place where God has made his riches for those who are vessels of mercy, for those who've received him, and that he knew who they were going to be beforehand, and he says, even us whom he called. He's saying, even us. And then he explains who this us is. And he says, uh, he goes on to say, it's not only the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. 
this word us actually goes back to the understanding that he's talking about over in verse 6. So if you look back a few verses, chapter 9, verse 6, Paul is writing and he says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Us is referring to who is Israel. Who is Israel? And Paul is taking the understanding of the people he's writing to in this church in Rome and he's enlarging it to say it's not just the Jewish people who are a part of the house of Israel. But us, house, or the people of Israel is actually the people that Paul is writing about here that are the vessels of mercy. He's using different understandings just like he did. Vessels of mercy are the people that were vessels of honor or people of honor. They are the people walking in the spirit. They are the ones that have received the riches of his glory. All of these are the people that he's referring to in verse 6. You have to see that Paul is just using different names to describe the same person or the same people. That's a better way to say that. That is Israel. In verse 6, the latter part of it says, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. If you remember, we talked about this place several weeks ago. And what he's talking about is that there is a physical Israel and a spiritual Israel. The physical Israel comes out of the understanding of the Hebrew Abraham was called to follow God. And out of Abraham, <clears throat> I'm going to help us look at this, because the understanding that the people have here that Paul is addressing is that Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. He was a Hebrew, and he was called out of his flesh to walk in God's ways and align with God's truths. Abraham. Abraham had two sons. The first son was out of his own flesh. God had told him, he said, Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a son. God is telling him he's going to give him a son. But Abraham did not wait on the Lord, but rather Sarah came to Abraham saying, you need to go to the maidservant and she will have for you a son because I'm too old. And this will fulfill God's promise. But it was their thought out of the flesh, not out of the spirit. 
So Paul is helping us to understand that not everyone who's born to Abraham out of the seed of Abraham, let's look at that, let's look at that, is part of Israel. So continue on in verse 7. Well, let's read the last part of 6. But for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. So not all of Israel is of, is of the spiritual understanding. It's a kingdom word. It means, it's what we think of as living with God in the kingdom is what he refers to as Israel. Verse 7 says, Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. So not just because they're the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac, your seed shall be called. So he's saying the ones that are out of the promise, the, the way God intended it to be, would be the ones of Isaac. Now, Abraham has another son, Ishmael. But that came out of his flesh. God is teaching us to understand the second is the spirit, the first was the flesh. And he's using this picture with Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael. But he's saying those who are his seed. Now this place of seed is actually going to help us to understand this. It's a remnant. It's a portion. It's not all of Abraham's children, but it is a remnant. It is a part of Abraham. All right, look in verse 8. That is that those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. When you make your own decisions, when you walk in your own flesh, God is using this. Those are not, you're not a child of God when you do that. You didn't obey what God was doing. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Those that continue in God's ways and in his truth are considered the seed of the kingdom, Israel. He's going to help us to understand this seed in a minute as a remnant, a portion who are willing to walk with God. Verse 9 says, For this is the word of the promise, at, that, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. For the children, not yet being born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. He's saying, so, so now he's saying, uh, Rebecca is going to have two children and conceived by one father, Isaac, but these two children are being used by God, not by anything they've done or haven't done, but rather for the purpose of God, to show 
flesh, and spirit. And in this place, we see that the purpose that God is using this for is to bring forth the understanding through Jacob. Verse 12 says, And it, said to, it, um, it was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And if you remember, we taught on these places several weeks ago, helping us to understand that Esau sold his birthright, sold what God had given him. He gave up what God had given him, where Jacob treasured it desired the things that God would have, desired to walk in God's ways. Jacob, it means the one who follows after. The one who was following after God's will and his plan and his purpose, God used him as one who would walk in his ways as a vessel of mercy, as honorable. And out of Jacob came the 12 tribes in the physical understanding who would be known as Israel. The nation of Israel. This is the understanding that the people in the church at Rome we're walking in. God's chosen people, Israel, came out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were given the covenants, and they were given the laws, and they were given the promises, and they were adopted as sons of God. And so, all the people of the church at Rome are looking to this understanding. So now when the Jewish leaders come back into the church at Rome, they feel they should be leading because they are children of Israel. They are the chosen ones. And that is true. We cannot lose sight of that. They have been chosen by God to fulfill his plan all the way through. They are chosen. But they are not loved more and they are not special to God. They are chosen for his purpose. But Paul has been helping us to understand that they have a purpose in, our, in God's plan and fulfilling his ways. So now I want to jump down to this place again in 24, verse 24 of chapter 9. And Paul writes, even us, who is that? Us, us, those who are a part of the kingdom, Israel. 
whom he called not the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. So Paul is writing and he's saying, not only has God a special purpose for only the Jewish people, but also there's a place where Israel will include the Gentiles. In other words, it's not going to be just because you were born to Abraham or to Isaac or to Jacob, but rather it will be those who understand the promises and put their faith in what God is doing that will be considered Israel, not just the Jewish people. He's saying, no, not only us, the Jews only, but us, the Gentiles as well. This is a difficult place, but Paul is wanting them to understand the fullness of this. I want you to hold your marker here, and I want you to look back at 2.28, uh, Romans 2, chapter 28. Because he's already begun to help them understand this. It's on page 1295. He's already trying to bring this understanding into these people to say, you've got to understand the fullness of God's plan. So in verse 28, he says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcised that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcised in that of the heart, in the spirit not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. He's saying, who are the, the true people of Israel? Who are the true Jewish people? They're not the ones who were circumcised in the outward flesh, but were circumcised by the heart. That's who the people are that are Israel. Those who their hearts want to follow God. But he has used the people of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to help us to see as examples that we might know what it means to surrender to the will of God, to thirst after God, as Jacob's name, to follow after his ways. And God changed his name to Israel because of his heart, was circumcised towards him. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. Was Abraham perfect? Absolutely not. Was Isaac perfect? No. They made mistakes, but their heart was thirsting after and trying to be obedient to God's ways. And they continued in, those, in, the, in that accord. Okay, page, uh, I mean, that verse 25, uh, Paul writes, and he says also in Hosea, so he's writing, and God says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. He's talking about the Gentile people in Hosea. 
God is writing, and the people in here know the book of Hosea, and it'd be a great place to go back and read this week if you just want to understand how it was in this place that God is calling the people who are not my people. He says, I'm called them my people. He's calling them my people who are not my people. It's the Gentile nations. And he is saying, there's going to be a day and a time coming when those who are not my beloved, not my wife, but I'm going to call them to be my wife and my bride, my beloved. He goes on to give another scripture. Um, that comes out of Hosea 2.23, if you want to know that. But uh, in the next verse, he says, And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. This he is writing to the Jewish people. Both of them are in a kingdom understanding. The Gentiles, he is saying, you were not my people, but I'm going to call you my people. And in the next verse, he says, you were my people, but it's going to come to pass that you are not my people. He said, I was using you as a demonstration but you have not continued in my way. And that is the understanding of the book of Hosea. The prophet Hosea, God comes to the prophet and he has him to go and to find his bride to make his wife from a lady who was a prostitute. Why would God use the prophet Hosea to go out and to find his wife to from a to be a prostitute, from the one that would be a prostitute. God was showing how he loves people that are not walking in his ways so much that he wants to love them and bring them in and transform them from the flesh to who he wants them to be in the spirit. But in the book of Hosea, this lady, Gomer, she would not, she would not surrender. So she would come home and be uh, Hosea's wife for a little while. Then she would go to town and she would be involved with other men. And Hosea would go after her. God is using this example to help us to understand the heart he has for all of us. He gets to the point that he tells, uh, he tells Israel, he says, I'm using this place to reflect how you are with me. I have called you to be my wife. I am your husband. I am your God. But you have been in spiritual idolatry and adultery. And in this place, you have not surrendered to my ways, even though I wanted to be your husband, 
even though I wanted to, to groom you into, and to take care of you and to grow you into the things that I desire for you, you would have none of it. And he says, you're no longer my people. He divorces Israel. But then it also comes back with another statement there. It says, there they shall be called sons of the living God. He is telling us that there will be a day, there has been a day when he has pushed aside the Jewish people for his purpose. And he's going to help us to understand that over the next few chapters. But there will be a day that is coming when they will be brought back. And he says, they will be called sons of the living God. He comes on in in chapter 27 with Isaiah, also cries out concerning Israel. He says, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be the one saved. The remnant will be saved. This is the seed he's talking about. He, there's always been a remnant in the, in the followers of, in the descendants of, I'm sorry, not followers, in the descendants of Abraham and the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Jacob. There have been times when they all have wandered off and these descendants have been in idolatry and into adultery, spiritual adultery and, and walking in ways of the pagan world. But God says, I've always preserved a remnant. A remnant that was thirsty for him, that wanted the things that God has for his people, that wants to be in truth, that desires to be honorable and vessels of mercy. This word remnant goes back to the seeds. They are the seeds. He goes on to say, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. When I looked all this verse up, it doesn't say this at all. In fact, it's been poorly transcribed. And so I looked up to find exactly what it was saying. And first of all, it says, when he has finished the work, that word is really logos. It's really, the, the word is, um, is really word, not work. When he will finish what his word is doing. And so it is a place of understanding that he's working out his word. But it's hard for us to understand that. This word logos, his thoughts and his plans. And so it reads better to say, for the Lord will execute his word, his plans, on the earth thoroughly and swiftly. 
It says it's cut short. That's what it means. It's cut short. The, the time is cut short. It's going to be a swift place that the Lord is going to make his plan happen. And so he's telling us that in this place, that even though his word says that as the number of children uh, of Israel, it shall be as the, as the sands on the sea. He says it will be executed, his plan and his purpose, that this remnant will be brought forth. Okay, in 29 it says, And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth, of hosts, of angels' armies, had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have been made like Gomorrah. He's saying, unless the Lord in his great plan and purpose, unless he had left us a seed, And this place of understanding the seed, I saw so clearly. It is goes all the way back to Genesis, where Jesus is referred to as the seed. But the remnant is a part of Jesus because they are in Jesus. They are a part of the seed. And it says, if, if the Lord of hosts the Lord of angel armies had not left us a seed, a remnant to hold on to, to, to walk into, to be strengthened with, then we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, and we would have been destroyed and judged for our darkness and wiped off. There would be no hope for us without God's plan through Jesus that he preserved always through the remnant. You see, their faith in God's ways was always a foreshadow to their faith in the fullness of the plan that would be fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 30 says, What shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, righteousness, have obtained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has obtained, has not obtained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. So what he's saying is, is that in this place, the remnant, the remnant, Israel, the Gentiles have pursued this place of righteousness out of faith. These believers that have joined into the church because of their faith in Jesus, have joined in to what God was doing because they could see that God was there, that God was in it. Those become the remnant. 
those become righteous. But those that are the Jewish people that are just keeping the law to check a box, they didn't obtain righteousness. So the law was given that they might could understand and walk in holy ways that would be glorifying to God, but they chose to just check the box of the laws and tried to obtain righteousness in that way. In other words, they became arrogant, saying, we, we do this, we do that. That, you know, we saw this with Jesus and the Pharisees over and over again. The rest of um, chapter 30, uh, verse 32 says, For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So this place of Jesus was a stumbling block to the Jewish people. They weren't willing to surrender to the fullness of the understanding. But Paul is saying the day will come when God will bring this remnant back. And there is a remnant today that believes in Jesus, and they are growing daily. And I see this word being fulfilled as the Gentile church comes to walk in faith in Jesus. The Jewish people are being brought back as sons of the living God. I thought about this place that we're seeing unfold over and over every day in Israel where they are trying to defend their land that was given to them. And um, they are in um, this battle with Hamas because Hamas attacked them. And a lot of untruths are being said about Israel. But I did a little bit of looking around on where Hamas came from. And it comes out of the Edomites. They come out of the Edomites, which come out of Esau. Hamas means violence. And they come with violence against God's ways. They are not just after the land. That's not what they're asking for, is it? They're asking for the annihilation of the remnant. Israel. The Jewish people. Because they will not bow down to the things of the Most High his plan, and his way. They have their own way. And they've created their own desires 
to come against the desires of the Most High. But I believe what God showed me, and many of you probably have seen the same thing, is that in this place where they are coming against God's plan and against the Jewish people, against the remnant, it will not end with that. Because God's plan and purposes is fulfilled in the full house of Israel, the Jews, and the Gentiles. Those who are walking in God's ways, those who are the remnant. Hamas will come, if not Hamas, someone after Hamas, will come against God's plan as well. We have to gird up. We have to be strong in our faith. And we have to walk in the ways of God. Not out of fear, but out of conviction to our commitment to the Most High. Paul is talking to a church to say God's plan always from the very beginning was to bless all the families of the earth that would fall into his plan and purpose and ways. Turn with me to Genesis 12. I think it's on page 12. God gives the this message to um, <clears throat> this word to Abraham <clears throat> when he called Abraham out of the land of the pagans to come and to and to walk with him. <clears throat> and in verse two it says, or verse one it says, "Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you." And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And you, I'm sorry, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. <clears throat> God's promises began for Israel in this place right here. And it's true. He has made them a great nation. And those that bless them are blessed, and those who curse them are cursed. But I want you to see that God's purpose and plan was always for the Gentiles, even then. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Knowing that the Messiah would come out of this purpose and plan that God was fulfilling all the way through, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Israel. I, play, I pray that we would draw close to the things that God has for us, that we would stand with Israel, not because, hmm, 
not because of just they are a small nation and need us to defend them, but because they are God's chosen people. And through them, all the families of the earth will be blessed and that we would stand with Israel because of the commandment that God has given us, not as because of our leaders decided to do, but because of God decided many years ago. Stand with me, please. Come and be 
tonight. Oh, 